Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to This Week Again, and I'm your host, Suzanne Posel. We're going to start off this show with how East Palestine has become the latest train disaster tourist destination. Move on to the latest trends in secession and the Republican Reich messaging. Follow all of that up with a pro-lifer's thoughts on why it's cheaper to just let children die. Let's begin, shall we? Ohio is known for a few things, like being the home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and having the only NFL team named after a side character from Family Guy. And to make matters worse, since February, Ohio can add East Palestine to the second most contaminated towns in America because a president accepted $6 million from a train company to list as their accomplishments. So why not add insult to injury? Cue the paper towel throwing former disaster in chief who showed up to East Palestine to barely read his lines from a teleprompter while on live television and offer the residents of that town some very, very stale bottled water. We're bringing thousands of bottles of water, Trump water, actually, most of it. Some of it we had to go to a much lesser quality water. You want to get those Trump bottles, I think, more than anybody else. Thousands of bottles, and we have it in trucks, and we brought some on my plane. I think you're going to have plenty of water for a long time, maybe. So the con man came out of retirement in Florida to bring 13-year-old bottled water to East Palestinians. Because nothing says I'm sick of paying for storage on inventory from another one of my failed businesses like the stunt old drinks with two hands pulled in Ohio. Because only in Ohio. And not for nothing, but bottled water has a shelf life of two years, even if you call it Trump ice on the label. So there's that. Now, during his old man rant at a podium, Dolt45 complained about all sorts of things like the NFL and lied about everything else, like how he says he had nothing to do with rolling back the Obama-era regulation that was meant to strengthen car rail braking systems to prevent disasters just like the one that happened in East Palestine. But in the vinyl-colored maggot's defense... He did offer help. To the people of East Palestine and to the nearby communities in Ohio and Pennsylvania, uh, we have told you loud and clear, you are not forgotten. You are not forgotten. We stand with you, we pray for you, and we will stay with you in your fight to help answer and the accountability that you deserve. We'll have that accountability. It'll all be out there very clearly. Oh, uh, okay. So offering help during a crisis that you happened to pave the way for just five years earlier, I don't think that is actually helping. It's more like a photo op for your next presidential campaign grift. And I'm not the only one who can see through Big Lebowski's bronzer. Current Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg not only welcomed help from the quarter-pounder liar with cheese, Pete also suggested in detail how deregulation Don could do it. Well, one thing he could do is uh, uh, express support for reversing the deregulation that happened on his watch. I heard him say he had nothing to do with it. 
even though it was in his administration. Uh, so if he had nothing to do with it, and uh, they did it in his administration against his will, maybe he could come out and say that uh, he supports us moving in a different direction. <laughs> Clever boy that Pete is. Sure, liar McShitstain Dockers could just admit that he took $6 million from Norfolk and other rail companies in a quid pro and then rolled back the Obama regulation on rail car brakes and proximity to any American town, which would end the quid pro quo. <laughs> but I don't think he's going to actually do it. So while somebody else is going to get right on that, Let's talk about Georgia's 14th District's favorite Christian nationalist, Mayonnaise Tartar Sauce Green. Recently, she used her prehistoric mitts to tweet on Twitter, airing her hurt feelings about becoming newly single while suggesting that America needs to go the way of her last marriage. Here is a dramatic reenactment of I Can't Believe It's Margarine's tweet. We need a national divorce. We need to separate by red states and blue states and shrink the federal government. Everyone I talk to says this. From the sick and disgusting woke culture issues shoved down our throats to the Democrats' traitorous America last policies, we are done. Well, you know the old saying, clan mom's gonna clan. She is showing how badly Georgia needs to de-southernize their education system because the current Daughters of the Confederacy approved curriculum coming out of this woman's mouth just shows off her stupid. But where there is the poorly educated, there is the we didn't think this all the way through case to be made for a civil war part deux. And insurrectionist Barbie is just the Karen to do it. Here is the Betsy Ross of bigots herself trying really hard to say that she is not saying what we all know that she's saying. A national divorce is not a civil war. It's actually separating by red states and blue states um, and making state rights and state power a lot stronger than it is right now. Oh, bless her heart. Maybe someone in her circle needs to tell the tinfoiled rebel Rose that she is actually describing a civil war while crying about how she's not describing a civil war. And the two don't cancel each other out. Okay, so let's humor this woman for a moment. How is this totally not a civil war going to work with the red and the blue states segregating? We've seen people fleeing uh, those leftist policies and moving to states like Florida, Georgia, Texas. They like the consequences of Republican and red policies. Um, what I think would be something that some red states could propose, if Democrat voters uh, choose to flee these blue states, well, once they move to a red state, guess what? Maybe you don't get to vote for five years. You can live there, you can work there, but you don't get to bring your values that you, that you basically created in the blue states you came from by voting for Democrat leaders and Democrat policies. Yeah, so tell me you don't look at voting maps without telling me you don't look at voting maps. But hey, <laughs> maybe for her who comes from a heavily gerrymandered district, what does she really care about actual vote tallies anyway, right? 
Well, maybe she should pay attention because while two thirds of Republican voters polled in 2021 said that they would love nothing more than to secede from the union like their forebearers failed to do, today's America, well, we're not as cut and dry as we used to be. In fact, we have more of a purple rain going on than red and blue, much more diluted than Republican politicians would have us believe. So for those of you in the back, let me start off this civics lesson by explaining the country is more of a bluish purple when it comes to straight tallies of actual votes in every election across the board. And that is because votes are separated by counties, not entire states. For example, even margarine could understand this, I hope. There are 159 counties in the state of Georgia as of 2020. Now, 49% of them sent blue candidates to their current positions. And in the last midterm election, Georgia went even bluer with more Democrats entering the state house and retaining current seats. So uh, does that mean that we have to take Marge? Because if that is how this is going to go, I'm just going to say right now, this is a bad idea. And it's not just that red and blue makes purple, which turns back into blue, apparently, when we see what's happening like in Georgia. Red states need blue states. And why? Well, (laughs) how else are Republicans going to pay for everything? An analysis of the 2020 election by the Brookings Institution showed that Biden's winning winning base in 500 counties, just 500 counties, encompassed 71 percent of America's economic activity, while Trump's losing base of 2,500 counties represented just 29% of the economy. Uh, the states that are the most dependent on the federal government for, to keep their economies alive are almost all red states. Alaska, Mississippi, Kentucky, West Virginia, Montana, New Mexico, Arizona, Louisiana, Indiana, Alabama. Only New Mexico is a blue state. <laughs> That's right, folks. Red states are the freeloading welfare queens of the United States. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Mitch McConnell of Kentucky. They don't contribute their fair share in taxes because their economies are always in a deficit thanks to Republican policies. And they take more taxpayer-funded money out of programs such as welfare, HUD housing, food stamps than you find in blue states who are subsidizing the red states. So yeah, the Jewish space laser expert, if from Georgia, may like the sound of a national divorce But literally, her red state's pals are just too broke and used to taking handouts from blue states to ever actually leave. But why are we even discussing this? Georgia's poorly educated electoral decision in recent years has made it clear that she just wants a divorce, okay? We're not actually talking about a civil war, right? 
The last thing I ever want to see in America is a civil war. Um, no one wants that. At least everyone I know would never want that. But it's going that direction. Well, I think it's something that we should work towards because, you know, it's kind of the vision that our founding fathers had for America. And I think it's a great one. It worked in the beginning. We just got it completely out of control. I'm sorry, but what in the Toby Keith is this Confederate loser talking about that our founding fathers had a segregation of the states policy for a country they were about to name the United States? Now, I knew that Southern heritage passing for U.S. history in red states was a load of ivermectin, but mayonnaise just switched over to ludicrous speed with this one. I do have to say it sounds right on brand for her ever since Geico dropped her as a spokesperson all those years ago. And while we're on the subject of the South pathetically trying to rise again, the worst Kevin in the house made a deal with more than a few maggot minions in order to just barely win Speaker of the House several months ago. And since then, we've seen the supporting cast of the film Idiocracy take center stage with all new appointments to House committees and the invention of a new and disturbingly fascist committee that would give the very deceased Joseph McCarthy a boner. Not only that, but the worst Kevin decided that it was about time to compromise on the safety of everyone who works on Capitol Hill by giving thousands of hours of previously unseen footage from the January 6th insurrection to one of Russia's favorite propagandists and the biggest schmuck Fox ever hired for prime time, Mr. Tucker Carlson, so he could edit the shit out of it for his new revisionist history series coming to a boomer's television near you. Roll tape. Fox News host Tucker Carlson says House Speaker Kevin McCarthy gave him unfettered and exclusive access to about 44,000 hours of Capitol Hill surveillance footage from the day of the January 6th riot. Meanwhile, over on air, Carlson is saying that even though they haven't reviewed all the footage yet, he thinks it contradicts the story about the insurrection. It is about pushing a narrative that minimizes the insurrection and hypes some phantom and future evidence, regardless of whether they actually get it. Now, if you're one of those tour guides who helped the insurrectionists map out where to go and how to get there, like Georgia's 14th District's own Benedict Arnold Green did, then you might think this is the best thing since the suggestion of a national divorce. Not to mention, anyone who's watched anything by Dinesh D'Souza knows what can happen when you reverse engineer hours of footage to fit whatever crazy conspiracy your viewers, who are definitely not smarter than a fifth grader, can understand. For example... Here is Swanson's worst trust fund baby turned host on Fox on his current position of the shit smearing good time that we all refer to as the January 6th insurrection. Of all the things that January 6th was, it was definitely not a violent terrorist attack. It wasn't an insurrection. An outbreak of mob violence, a forgettably minor outbreak by recent standards. You see people walking around and taking pictures. They don't look like terrorists. They look like tourists. Uh, Tucker, I think you don't know how to pronounce domestic terrorism. Now, see, if you go into January 6th with the notion that it was no different than the Griswold family trip to Wally World, uh, wait a minute. 
now that I think about it, they did break into the park at the end using a pew-pew to force a guard to take them on rides. So the, never mind. Either way, the point is, we already know that Tucker's assessment of the footage is going to be very loosely based on actual events. We also know that this footage contains revealing information of where people like Mike Pence and the Speaker of the House, Kevin are taken when they have to hide out during an invasion. Hence, why it's only Democrats who are ringing the cowbell of concern over fucker Lyerson's exclusive access to this information that actually might be useful for any of those shit-smearing rioters who might want to try insurrecting a second time. Democrats on Capitol Hill are raising real and loud security concerns after House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has apparently decided to hand over reams and reams of surveillance footage from the January 6th Capitol riot to Fox News host Tucker Carlson and his associates. There are two big unknowns. Was anybody chaperoning this Fox News team as they watched all this video? Did they log in or log out? And were they able to record any of it while they were viewing it? No hard drives were given. It was all viewed in person. What Democrats are wondering is how much of it might have been recorded or kept. Okay, so for those of you in the back who are saying that this is just partisan paranoia, I want to remind you that last week we learned Classified Donnie had an aide from his super back that helped fund the insurrection, copy classified documents onto a laptop via a thumb drive. So what's stopping Fucker's production team from making copies of the footage to show off at a private screening? Abso-fucking-lutely nothing, that is. So I'm sure you can understand why those who aren't poorly educated are very concerned and upset with the worst Kevin for handing over the tapes to fucker in the first place. And if you're still confused, it's now a fact that Fox hosts like Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, and Bowtie McLierson don't even believe the bullshit that they say to their viewers every single night. Roll tape. A new court filing shows top executives at Fox News and leading network personalities privately dismissed former President Donald Trump's false claims of voter fraud in the days that followed the 2020 presidential election, even as they pushed those same lies on television. Consider that under oath, some of them just admit it. Sean Hannity saying he did not believe for one second Trump's fraud claim. Rupert Murdoch privately referred to the position his network really crazy stuff. Part of one text message between Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram, all about Trump campaign lawyer Sidney Powell. Carlson told Ingram, quote, Sidney Powell is lying, by the way. I caught her. It's insane. Ingram responded, quote, Sidney is a complete nut. No one will work with her. Ditto with Rudy. Five days after the election was called for Joe Biden, Tommy Firth, the producer for Laura Ingram's show, texted, this Dominion shit is going to give me an effing aneurysm. You may not have ever heard this before, so I'm going to say it again. Fox is not and never was a news organization. Its founder is the late and not so great Roger Ailes, who made a name for himself in the 1970s, working with aides to the trickiest dick ever to be elected to the presidency. 
He and a bunch of Nixonian douchebags decided to write a manifesto detailing what would become Fox News once Roger met Rupert. And so it was decades later, Roger would convince Rupert to fund his harebrained idea to create a network that looked like a news organization and even reported on the news from time to time to keep up with appearances. But on primetime slots, they would showcase the craziest of conservatives who could barely read from a teleprompter. Not only that, but these people had to be devoid of human empathy, except when it came to themselves which is why Bill O'Reilly, Sean Hannity, and a blonde-haired shit named Steve Ducey became household names. Because finally, there were guys just like that one relative everyone hates to talk to, because it's always either the lizard people of the New World Order are coming for your guns, or every news organization except for Fox is pushing communist propaganda to make everyone a socialist and come and take your guns. And if you think that's exhausting... You can understand why Carlson, Hannity, Ingram, and Bartiromo used text messaging in a group chat as a stress reliever. Lucky for us, none of them had the wherewithal to ask if a group chat is forever, because according to the Dominion court filing, it is. So I guess the big elephant in the room is the question, why would Fox hosts knowingly lie to their viewers about the 2020 election? And the answer is... Fox ratings had taken a dive, says Dominion. And so, to keep the audience happy, it aired falsehoods. This court filing, the messages contained in it, really exposed Fox News as, uh, frankly, a propaganda machine uh, in search of profit. In Fox News's call of Arizona for Joe Biden, which was exactly what its audiences didn't want to hear. How concerned was Fox about losing viewers to their right-wing rivals? It was feverishly anxious about this issue. Oh, so it must be the money. Because Fox was at the time and still is in competition with organizations like Newsmax and OAN and Steve Bannon's Three Shirts On and No Shave Makes My Lack of Basic Hygiene Relatable podcast. So they decided to take a bold move and lie out their motherfucking mouths just like everyone else does. So they aired shit like this because that's what their impotent rage-filled viewers wanted to see. Roll tape. Now, tonight, millions of Americans, you do feel betrayed. According to Politico, look at this. 70% of Republicans, they don't believe this election was free, fair, and for good reason. The most important part of democracy is to do it correctly. The most important question tonight is did we in 2020? I'm working on the part of the case which is demonstrating how many illegal votes were cast, and I'm way beyond the margin right. that I need in Pennsylvania or Michigan. They have done it in every way imaginable, from having dead people vote in massive numbers to absolutely fraudulently comp uh, creating ballots that exist only voting for Biden. The 2020 presidential election was not fair. No honest person would claim that it was fair. On many levels, the system was rigged against one candidate and in favor of another. Knowing what we know now, 
I would like to wish Dominion nothing but $1.6 billion for their good work suing Fox and their say anything for a buck hosts who clearly knew that they were lying so their viewers wouldn't switch the channel. Secondly, going forward, Fox should only be called news if it is necessary to a punchline. And another thing, Alaska Republican state rep David Eastman is not only the author of a pro-life manifesto posted to his campaign website where he makes the case that, quote, the forceful taking of the life of a child can never be justified, end quote. He's also the guy who said this on camera during a meeting of the Alaska House Judiciary Committee. You know, in the case where child abuse is fatal, it, obviously it's not good for the child, but it's actually a benefit to society because there aren't needed for government services and whatnot over the whole course of that child's life. Through the chair, can you say that again, to say a benefit for society? Um, talking dollars. Now you've got yes. a, a $1.5 million price tag here for uh, victims of fatal child abuse. Um, it, it gets argued periodically that it's actually um, a cost savings because that child is not going to need any of those government services that uh, they might otherwise, um, you know, be entitled to receive and, and need based on, you know, growing up in this type of environment. I don't even know where to begin. I thought that this guy was all about every sperm is sacred. So why is he doing cost-benefit analysis to justify his argument that Alaska should allow a child to die at the hands of their abuser because it saves taxpayer money? It's also probably not going to come to much of a surprise that Eastman made a comment back in 2017 claiming that Inuit women in Alaska were getting pregnant on purpose so they could get their hands on some of that sweet Medicare cash for an all-expenses-paid trip to Anchorage to get an abortion. Well, I guess pro-life ends when the kid is born, which really means that this guy is pro-birth, and I don't know if I want to get into that conversation right now. Instead, let's talk about some more terrifying facts about David Eastman, including his membership to the Oath Keepers, a domestic terrorist organization that was in cahoots with Scooby-Coo during the January 6th attack. Eastman was so serious about keeping his oath to the keepers that he joined his brothers at the Capitol while they attempted to overthrow the U.S. government, although he claims he just stood outside and waited during the insurrection. Alaskans thought that just his presence at the coup attempt was an affront on the oath of office that a representative of Alaska's state legislature should do, so they sued him to bar him from running for office. But the judge in that case decided just after two days of trial that the First Amendment protected Eastman's attendance at an insurrection because he didn't actually participate in the breaking and entering part of it. Because only in Alaska. And that's all I have to say about that. New episodes of This Week Again air every Sunday. Follow the show on social media to keep up with all of our latest posts. This Week Again can be found on stations such as iHeartRadio, Audible, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thank you again for listening and to do for now.